The reasons behind high rates of Indigenous unemployment are complex, but often come back to access to education and opportunity. But with a new government and a new policy environment, should we expect better employment outcomes for First Nations people? Indigenous workers, union representatives, peak bodies and researchers gathered in Canberra recently to discuss the issue. Professor Noreen Young is Associate Dean Indigenous at the Business Faculty at the University of Technology, Sydney, and she joins me now. Noreen, welcome back to Speaking Out. From your perspective, why is Indigenous employment so important? Um, I'm, I find the um, phrase Indigenous employment interesting um, in and of itself. Um, whenever I hear that, it seems to me that it kind of infers that our people don't work or haven't worked or don't want to work. Um, it seems to me to tie into that narrative um, of the, you know, the blacks on sit-down money. Um, so... People being employed um, in a manner that they enjoy and can thrive matters to me. Um, so our mob um, having good paying jobs that we're happy with where people can develop careers if that's what they want to do is what's important to me. You recently were a key player in a symposium uh, by the First Nations Employment Alliance that was Mm -hmm. uh, scheduled just ahead of the um, Federal Government's Job and Skills Summit. Mm -hmm. Um, What were some of the key issues that were discussed there? So our alliance um, met, we had put together um, as a group a statement um, that we want to carry us forward into policy making and a work plan for what we should do in the new policy environment of the new government. Very specifically goes to um, workplace racism um, because we keep identifying that in every uh, survey, every bit of work that anyone does, um, workplace racism um, comes up. And we know anecdotally and, and you know, I we did the Gary Yala survey here at Jambana um, because we thought that our people had never been asked about our employment experiences. And, of course, I knew that once that happened, the data would be that racism is, is a re- workplace racism is a really important issue. Um, so we're going to go and work on a work plan um, where we would like to see an investigation into workplace racism and discrimination um, against First Nations people heard through a series of activity, public activities, inquiries and inquiries. We want them to culminate in a multi-legal workplace racism inquiry conducted by both the Fair Work Commission um, and the Human Rights Commission. We want an inquiry into pay equity for First Nations people. Um, We want the redevelopment of self-determined, properly resourced um, community employment programs um, to ensure proper wages for work and work-like activities, um, leave workplace conditions, super access to workers' comp and work cover, etc. And I know that that will be a big topic for discussion at the upcoming Job Summit. We want to um, put cultural matters into industrial instruments, so awards and um, 
enterprise bargaining agreements and want to put them into the employment legal frameworks um, so that cultural concerns are um, equally are as considered legitimate like Western bereavement leave or weekends or Easter. We want community responsibility, care and caring for land and country redefined as work and paid and we want a workplace relations system that reflects our community's needs. Um, we want um, a system that that isn't one size fits all. It, it must be flexible and allow MOB to make collective agreements that reflect reflect our needs and our communities. So we want um, a deep dialogue at all levels of government to really start to consider um, the approaches towards the needs of our people in the industrial relations and workplace systems. I'm interested about this concept of changing what work means or how work is, you know, um, characterised when it comes to First Nations people and particularly the um, the part of the what's obviously a very complex, ambitious but also, you know, with thoughtful and integrated um, agenda that's come out of uh, this uh, this alliance's first meeting about mm-hmm. the fact that actually there's so much work that's done on country, which for us is a real obligation, and that mm. that should be considered work and should be paid for. Mm. Well, it is, and so there's a whole lot of things that would be defined as work in any normal circumstance if um, the last twenty years of of the way that um, community work was approached by Tony Abbott and Nigel Scullion. So, um, for instance, caring for relatives um, and kids um, that we could think about being approached by, by the NDIS and how that's approached. Community business should be considered work. Caring for country should be considered work. Um, we've given in in a piece in the conversation yesterday the example of community ranges. That's a really good example of how work can redefine, because be redefined, and because the work system and the industrial system and the way work operates in this place was defined in. Um, in very much an English paradigm, um, that's how our workplace and industrial system developed. Um, it's never thought about what mobs considerations might be and, and how work should be defined in industrial law. What are the, about the challenges in terms of um, remote communities and the supposed challenges um, there in terms of finding employment for First Nations people. What are your views on that? How do we address the issue of um, employment in these remote communities? I think that one of the things that's been missed out on in all the discussion about work in, in particularly remote communities over the last 20 years is that the reason people stopped working and, you know, conservatives have picked up and run with sit-down money, the reason that um, sit-down money existed wasn't because of some welfareist approach. It was because when the industrial tribunal said that 
the Gurindji and others um, after their, their very long strike should be paid equal pay. You know, the, tri- the Australian Tribunal decided that and then the employer, um, so the pastoralists, instead of paying that, sacked them. So that took away the capacity for people to work in those remote communities and then CDPs were developed in, in the 70s to give people meaningful work that community had identified as work it wanted to do. Um, And so, you know, we saw a lot of CDPs mowing lawns, doing caring work um, for elders in community, for example. So communities have to be given the opportunity to create, create their own definition of work, I suppose. But also in this, over the last 15 years or so, we've had so much um, concentration and talk about Indigenous economic development. So there's a lot more things, innovative, thoughtful, exciting things that mob can think of to do in remote areas. And I would have, you know, of course, absolute faith that mob in those places can do that. There was a lot made of the um, way in which the ACTU and the Business Council have, uh, I guess, had a much more uh, conciliatory approach, trying to work mm. together. Um, mm. In that, in and it's been sort of heralded as, as a new opportunity for discussion in this space because of this approach that's got a lot more consensus in it. Mm. In this sort of new era of consensus around or working towards consensus uh, in the, on the issues of employment, wages, etc., what space has been given for First Nations voices and First Nations issues? Well, it's interesting. I know that the ACTU have elected or appointed, I don't know what their process was, um, our titter, uh, Dr Charlene Leroy-Dyer, to represent us at the Job Summit. And that's one of the reasons we had the um, First Nations Employment Alliance meeting on Monday, to give her a mandate um, for things to raise. There's a lot, quite a few mob um, on the list for the Job Summit, largely, um, which and really... Um, Rightly, I think, in the context of, of remote jobs, what's being discussed, um, people from those kind of um, environments, which I think's really, really important. Um, so I think we've got decent representation. I think necessarily at, at this job summit, remote jobs and, um, you know, the wicked problem of CDP and um, job seeking will be discussed. I'd like and the First Nations Employment Alliance would like um, the discussion to be expanded out over the years, um, over the next while in terms of policy. So, for example, we know that the Jobs Summit will discuss wages and, and, as you say, really better relationship between the Business Council and the ACTU, maybe because of the two excellent women that are there. You know, how will wages movements affect our people? Well, we don't really know because we don't have data on where our people work. We know, for example, that the application of the proposed equal remuneration principle for the gender pay gap will have a good impact in our communities because we know that our women are nurses and community sector workers and um, teachers. 
but we don't exactly know how many and where, so we won't know exactly how it will impact. So we'll be urging governments to start, and the union movement, to start collecting proper data on where our people work so that we can understand it and start to influence policy making um, at, at all levels so that it impacts in a beneficial way on our people. Well, you do sound optimistic and that's, I guess, something that uh, should give us all hope. Yeah, you'd hope so. <laughs> Noreen Young, thank you for spending time with us on Speaking Out. Thanks, Larissa. Professor Noreen Young is Associate Dean Indigenous at the Business Faculty at the University of Technology, Sydney.